And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go. It is Wednesday, April 14th, the day before your taxes would have been due, but, you know, they extended that. So everybody is safe. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Nobody's coming after you yet. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForBeat.com. I also take out the trash. I make the coffee. Those are the most important jobs that I have. And if you are wanting to participate in the conversation, the chat's open. You can leave a comment. You can always send us an email uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. We also have a newsletter, and you can connect with us on all the socials. We broadcast to YouTube and Twitch and Facebook, and uh, this gets mirrored over at Odyssey. So any of you who are into the alternate media you can find us over there tonight instead of last night we have uh, salacious crumbs which normally is on tuesday but we had a glitch in the system yesterday so we had to deal with that and then tomorrow night as usual we have the ranker pit 9 p.m eastern 8 central And if you want to listen to these shows as podcasts, we're on a number of different podcast players, Apple, Double Twist, Listen Notes, Amazon, iHeart, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. We've got an RSS feed you can use for both YouTube. You can set up an RSS feed for the YouTube. And speaking of pits, as we do with the Ranker Pit, A pit as prison for a demon, I think, is our starting point. Eric Leland joins us now. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, Let me me turn this on. There we go. All right. There you are. You're on now. All right. So welcome to the program. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. I got to... All right, now let's try this. Okay, there you are. Are you there now? Yeah. There you hear we. me now? <laughs> yes, we buried you under the music. My apologies. Okay, okay so, uh, so the beginning of this, the book is called Inhuman, and it is uh, a supernatural war story, I guess. It's set in South Vietnam, which I think is an interesting choice, and I want to get into that. Mm. Uh, but this is your first published work. It's a supernatural horror type of story. And yes. the demon, as we first encounter him, is, is caught in a pit, is being held in a pit. So let me let me start by way of introduction. Let's, uh, let's get into your history as an author. What got you started in all of this? Um, well, I, I think everybody has a just this desire to tell stories, but what really got me started um, when Game of Thrones became a TV show, um, you know, I, like a lot of people, started reading the books, and I got to the Red Wedding, and I remember exactly where I was, and I remember just being furious and throwing the book against the wall 
And after I started thinking about it, I was like, you know, this would be really interesting to learn how to do to people. <laughs> you know, um, So that's when I, uh, I just start, you know, started my little YouTube journey on, you know, how to, how to learn how to write. And um, one of the first videos I came across was a, a John Brown and a, a Larry Korea video. And so obviously, you know, I started reading all the books that they were putting out, um, which led to uh, watching videos on, you know, the Dan Wells was putting out like his seven point story structure. And then I started reading all his, you know, serial killer books and which led me to the writing excuses podcast. And then everything just kind of snowballed. And, uh, you know, if you've ever seen ads for Southern New Hampshire university, they have, um, like a master's in, uh, fiction writing. Uh, so I did that. Um, yeah. So I just started getting all the education I could in, in, in writing. And uh, really, that's how I started. So essentially, you started off being self-taught, but you went ahead and, and got the formal training, uh, as as it were. Is have you noticed a difference? How much of a let me let me start start that over. How much of a difference do you think there is between diving in self-taught? and the prepared curricula. Is there a benefit to both or is one better than the other as far as what you've experienced? Um, the, the way I've explained it to people is, uh, you know, when you go to YouTube to try and become an expert on something, you get, uh, you, you're drinking from a fire hose and um, what the formal education uh, did for me was kind of arrange all of those bits into uh, something that I could use. Right. Um, and then also it forces you, uh, you know, it, well, in, in my specific instance, uh, I was, uh, you know, going, I was taking science fiction fantasy courses and poetry and uh, historical fiction, you know, and just all these disparate genres. And, um, you know, I was doubling up on classes. So it was forcing me to, uh, get out of my own head and write in these different genres. Cause every two weeks we had a story that was due and um, yeah. And it just, so having that, that, you know, information I, I uh, picked up from, you know, the self teaching um, really helped, uh, you know, when I was writing those stories and just getting the words on the page. So is there uh, is there a particular genre that I mean you're you're doing the supernatural horror type of thing here with this story when you're going through and you're doing all of these different types of stories in the in the classes and and such uh, did this one just kind of reach out and grab you this is the one you want to do or was that was that the design from the get go that you wanted to do science fiction and and horror, you want to play in that genre st- sandbox? Yeah, I was, well, you know, I grew up reading, uh, you know, Robert Jordan. Um, so I, I always thought I was going to write fantasy. And, um, you know, before we started, we were talking about that one, that one book that I wrote that just failed <laughs> on every level. <laughs> it was a fantasy. And um, um, when it was a NaNoWriMo uh, came around and I was like, you know what, um, I wrote this short story in one of my classes. It was like a 25 page short story called uh, Recon Team Mercury. And that story is essentially the prologue of Inhuman. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, 
I was like, you know, for NaNoWriMo, I was like, I wonder what happened for the rescue team um, when they come, you know, to find this team, um, you know, what would they encounter? And Inhuman is essentially the result of that. So does the the short story live anywhere that people can read or is that still? No. Um, well, it's the spirit of the short story is the prologue. Um, but as far as, you know, putting out for people to read, no, no, that's, that's still in my, my uh, education days. And uh, <laughs> I'm not too proud of it, you know. Well, I mean, there's nothing that says you can't rework it and, and, you know, at some point drop it in as maybe part of an anthology in this universe. I mean, I haven't gotten very far into it. I've just started chapter two. So far, I'm intrigued at the setup. Uh, But is there, without giving anything away, uh, are are there possibilities for this to be be the beginning of a series or is this one and done? Mm -hmm. Well, I... um I wanted to make it attractive to publishers. Um, and so when you get to the epilogue, you'll see what I did there. Um, it's, it's a standalone, uh, with sequel potential and, um, you know, just basically, you know, I was in the army and the different places I went, there's just a lot of history to tap into and a lot of cool, um, supernatural stuff from other countries to tap into. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so potentially a series. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how people like it. The reviews are generally good right now. Um, you know, so if people want more, then there's there's more there's more there. But yeah. um, you know, we'll see how people like it. You mentioned Game of Thrones and you know the whole uh, uh, book series that uh, that George R. R. Martin has done. There has been of late a number of people that are complaining about books in general, comic books being the Netflix pitch as opposed to let's just tell a story in this medium. Did that cross your mind at any point when you're doing this book? Because you, you're talking about the kind of visceral audience reaction that you wanted to to provoke mm-hmm. as opposed to oh, well, I can write these books and I can get a TV show out of it. It, it doesn't sound like that's where your motivation was. Did that, no. do you think that we spend too much time focused on what kind of Netflix deal, what kind of movie deal we can get as opposed to the, just just tell the story and, and yeah. see what happens? Well, I, you know, I can't speak for, for anybody else. I mean, obviously everybody wants their, uh, their creation to do well. Uh, for me, um, um, it's I, I wanted to focus more on, you know, giving, uh, especially veterans um, who've experienced you know traumatic events. Um, I wanted to give them some place to go uh, for a you know for some catharsis for a release and you know to let you know let them know that you know I understand what they're going through. So on the, you know, on the book cover, you know, um, it says that it's a supernatural thriller on the inside. It's, um, um, it's a guy (laughs) learning his place and learning how to be, uh, you know, learning how to become part of a team and learning, um, you know, how to deal with 
these different emotions and all these other, you know, men dealing with extreme stress. Yeah. Um, and a woman too, you know, if you read the prologue, you know, there's a, a female character in there. Um, so there's <clears throat> in the military, especially when you're deployed, um, there might come a time when you do something you're not proud of. Right. And learning how to deal with that is hard. And <clears throat> um, finding the, you know, the resources in the real in the real world to deal with these things that you're thinking about is, is kind of hard. It's, it's even kind of hard to, to say that you're struggling. Um, so, you know, I don't want to seem pretentious and, and say that I wrote a self-help book, but um, it's more or less, um, you know, I, I want, I want veterans to know um, that there's something for them, yeah. you know, special for them. Um, but you know, and I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really too keen on having it, uh, uh, turned into just, you know, a slasher flick and, uh, right on some service. Well, and, and you mentioned, uh, having spent time in the army, did you have conversations as, as part of prep for this story or even before you wrote the short story that that's essentially a prologue to this, did you have conversations with people about, their experiences and how much did that inform what went into this book? Yeah. Well, um, as you, as you go further in the book, you'll see a lot of um, self-doubt and uh, you know, questioning of, of your place in the world. And um, I did have conversations, but a lot of that comes from me. Um, you know, I was uh I was an Iraq war veteran, uh, went over in 2003 and then again in 2009. And, um, when, when we came back from our first deployment in 2003, um, yeah, there was conversations that were had, but it was more or less the observations of watching my friends who were, you know, before we left, they were, you know, happy go lucky and, uh, just your average teenager, you know, right. and um, just watching them, watching the change <laughs> where uh, for just for no reason, they just weep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, I know a number of veterans have have a challenge adjusting into civilian life sometimes, not necessarily, you know, PTSD or or that kind of thing, but just just the transition from military life and, and service and deployment back to being a civilian. Is that, mm. is that a factor in any of this? Did you, did, and I don't want to get too, too, you know, deep in the weeds, personal, if anything's, uh, you know, uh, problem to talk about, but did you face those challenges when you came back? Is that, is that something that you had to go through, or was the was the transition back to civilian life uh, fairly easy for you? Oh no, no, <laughs> not not very easy. No, and uh, you know, just even coming back and and still being in the military, um, just coming back to the civilian world, it was hard. Well, at least for me, and for a lot of um, when you're deployed. Um, you know, there's sometimes, you know, there's, there's very little family things to worry about. And really, you know, 
the day to day, you're worried about, um, you know, what the mission is for the day. And um, you go do the mission and you come home, you go to sleep, you know, you have whatever time killing thing. You know, for me, it was <laughs> one of my friends brought a couple of Game Boys over for us to use and we played a bunch of Dragon Ball Z. And so, you know, for me, I think uh, the deployments were easy. It was coming back. It was hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if I answered your question there, but yeah, I mean, the, <clears throat> I guess the goal of, of Inhuman is to, um, you know, aside from being entertaining and telling a good story is to present people with this traumatic event and, um, you know, it's it's definitely not a, a G-rated, um, you know, happily ever after story. It's um, it's dark, <laughs> um, but it's it's dark in a way that um, I think people can relate to. Yeah, there's a term that's been going around of late, and I've seen it crop up in a number of places, talking about the kind of stories that some authors want to tell, because you've had. A number of years, you've had almost a, a nihilistic approach to some of this stuff, especially when it comes to dystopian fiction and, and, and doing you know, future, future story settings and, and that sort of thing. But you know, this subversion of expectations, the subversive fiction. Uh, but now you see this term that's cropping up called superverse uh, or su superversive, uh, basically taking the, the idea that the good guys do win and there is some hope and yeah, it might be dark and it might be a, it might be a complicated, messy story, but mm -hmm. at the end of all of it, you have, you know, heroes like Luke Skywalker and Superman and, and Buck Rogers and, and that kind of thing who, you know, maybe get the girl, beat the, beat the bad guy. Is there any of that in your approach to the kind of stories you want to tell? I mean, this one feels like it's a little bit more personal that, you know, you had to get it out of your system. You really wanted to tell the story. But long term, the kind of stories that you want to tell, where where does that fall? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, after that first season, A True Detective came out, people were really really interested in, in nihilism, but you know, that last, that last scene there, there's, you know, that shred of hope where, wow. uh, the lights winning, you know, and, yeah. um, I, I guess I kind of, uh, I understand that. And those are those, there's some truth in it. Um, you know, we all, and I, I think that's the point of story is you go through a traumatic event, um, and you, you learn from it and you grow and, um, you know, if you come out <clears throat> scarred, but better on the other side, um, I, you know, that's, that's good drama. So yeah, those are definitely the stories I want to tell. Scarred, but better sounds like a, a decent title for a book. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it, you know, go ahead and take it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I could write it in in my spare time, I guess. Right? <clears throat> yeah. So, are are there particular? You mentioned Larry Korea. You mentioned ver various different YouTube channels and different places. You know, workshops and that sort of thing. Do you have specific influences as far as you know? You look to certain authors or certain 
uh, certain stories that you've read that kind of inform your style? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I mentioned Robert Jordan and just I like his uh, scale and the, the scope of the story that he's telling. Um, but I, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Um, but, you know, like Chuck Palahniuk and Cormac McCarthy and Tony Morrison, um, the scope of their novels is, is uh, it's, it's grand, but it, it seems more internal. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to watch this big growth of, uh, or I don't want to say growth necessarily, but, you know, subtle realizations where, uh, at least for the character, they're um, kind of world shattering. Um, I don't know if you've read uh, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, but uh, that is. But I've heard of it. You know, that's that's a <laughs> that's a, a a novel of epic scale, at least you know for the kid. And um, yeah, that so you know, I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy the styles of. Um, you know, quote unquote, literary authors, Cormac McCarthy, Chuck Palahniuk, Tony Morrison. Um, you know, of course, my bookshelf is full of other authors. But um, yeah, in fact, every book on that shelf is is an author I enjoy. You know, so that's this is just part of my hoard. <laughs> so, but these are the books I go back to. Right. You know. Are there particular uh, how to's uh, as far as books go? I know a lot of people talk about Robert McKee's book called Story. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, yep, I've got some, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got some Flannery O'Connor. I've got some different, you know, how to write science fiction, how to create worlds, you know, all of these different mm-hmm. things, you know, how to write a comic book. Are there, uh, handy guides that you like to reference? Because I know there are a lot of them out there mm-hmm. and some of them are better than others in terms of what kind of information is in them. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Um, I enjoyed, um, Let's see, Orson Scott Cards, How to Write Science Fiction and Fantasy. Um, I, uh, Mary Robinette Kowal uh, talked about that in an episode of Writing Excuses, the, uh, the Mice Quotient. Uh, that was very helpful. Um, let's see, uh, you know, Stephen King's book on writing. Um, I, that's, that's um, I, I enjoy that book because, you know, part memoir and kind of part how-to. Uh, however, I'm not a pantser. Um, I'm kind of a hybrid. Um, you know, I outline the points that I want to get in the novel, and then I just kind of like uh, discovery write my way from point to point. So um, Stephen King's writing style is hard to follow for me, but I do enjoy, you know, all the comments that he put in uh, on writing. Um, but then for, you know, as far as how to, I, I think one of the greatest plotting tools for me was, uh, that Dan Wells YouTube video on a seven point story structure. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I mean, that, I I think that was the biggest help for me, uh, writing the book. Well, so what are you working on now in terms of, uh, your next story? Um, what you can't see is my wall of whiteboards (laughs) whiteboards <laughs> and uh those are the different plot points for inhuman 2 um you know un- is untitled right now but um i'm definitely working on another uh installment of inhuman following 
um, well, without spoiling, it's following the survivors of the team uh, on their next mission. Yeah. And uh, I'm also plotting out a, uh, don't tell anybody, but I'm plotting out a romance um, just because it's been itching me to write for a couple of years. So when wow. I when I sent Inhuman to uh, my editor, um, when I sent the manuscript, uh, I was like, well, she's going to keep this for a while. And, uh, you know, it's a long, it's kind of a long manuscript. Uh, so I'll start writing another book. Um, so I got a few chapters into that. And Chantel, uh, Chantel Amy Osmond is, is my editor for Inhuman. And uh, she came back within like a week. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess I need to start working on the big book again. So uh, the romance has been sitting in my drawer for a couple of years. Uh, so I'm kind of anxious to get back to that. It, it surprises yeah. me because uh, people don't make the connection a lot of times between certain genres and science fiction, fantasy, horror, because, you know, that, that seems to be a particular type of story. A lot of people have, uh, you know, expectations, but you look at something like the princess bride, which is yeah. essentially a fantasy romance. You have, uh, you know, the relationship of princess Leia and Han Solo in the middle of the first star Wars trilogy. That's a romance. So it's not unusual that romance would crop up in science fiction. But a lot of times when you have authors that write in a particular genre and then they cross over into something else, they'll usually use like a different pen name or a pseudonym. I know there's one, uh, I, I just ran across one who's got something like six different pseudonyms depending on what story universe that she's in. I'm thinking, why would you do that to yourself? Because... You know, but with you working on a romance, now you've done this supernatural horror war story. And you've got this romance. Are you are you worried that anybody's going to look at that and go, "What is this?" You know that it, that it might not do as well, or or do you think maybe, oh well, there, he's branching out. He's he's doing something different. What's the what do you um, see as the as the cost benefit there for for doing different types? You know, I don't I don't I don't particularly think that. You know, and I could be wrong. You know, I'm I'm still new to this, but I don't I don't think there's really anything wrong with crossing genres. Um, yeah. You know, well, you know, for example, look at Stephen King. He does it all the time. He's not you know he doesn't just write horror. Um, not saying I'm Stephen King, <laughs> <laughs> but you know that as the example. Sure. Um, and you know, in in um, especially the uh, you know. Well, like Chuck Palahniuk, you know, he, he changes genres all the time, um, but, he, you know, he still uses his name. Um, and really, I think, I think if people trust me as far as, you know, when they read Inhuman and if they trust me, um, you know, I, I'm not setting out to write bad books. I'm, you know, I'm writing out, I'm setting out to write good stories. Oh, and that's, just, that's just crazy talk, Eric. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just as a, a quick aside, um, you know, despite what people say about Tom Cruise, his philosophy to movie making is, you know, earn their ticket money, you know, earn the audience's ticket money. And if you take that same approach to, you know, storytelling or whatever you do, if you're selling a product, um, you know, if you write just a damn good story, uh, there's going to be an audience for it. And, you know, the what I wrote before or what I intend to write after, I don't think that'll 
um, turn too many people off. That seems to run counter to what some, I guess, literature Twitter would uh, would have you believe because, you know, it seems to me that there's a certain segment of the publishing industry that approaches the the message first over the story. Have you run into any of that in terms of, you know, pushback or feedback that, you know, because there's, there's male and female lead characters in this thing. You're in, you're in uh, South Vietnam. There are soldiers, there's guns, there, you know, all of, all of these different potential tripwires for people to, to mm-hmm. criticize. What, when, when you look at something like that and you look at the discussion online about what's important in a story and you look at the different books that get award nominations, you know, like Hugo's Nebulas mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, and I'm hearing you say, tell a good story first, uh, I'm going to assume, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to assume here that you're of the type who decides that politics – on it goes on the wayside we're just going to tell a we're going to tell a good story we're going to tell a rip roaring adventure yarn and let's let's set the personal ideologies and politics over here in the corner you can pick mm-hmm. them back up at the door on your way out is that is yeah. is that a, a fair assumption yeah and um so a big goal when writing or at least when rewriting inhuman was uh you know, you hear a lot of people talking about straw men uh, on the internet. And um, I, it was, it was my goal to give every character who had an opinion uh, to give them the best argument that I could give them. Um, So if you read the book, you're going to see some different, not necessarily ideologies, but different approaches to, you know, um, the different problems in the book. And it, it was absolutely my goal in the, in the editing stage was to make sure that you could pick up this book and you would know absolutely nothing about my personal opinions on anything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, going back to Twitter, well, I'm not on Twitter, so I can't be influenced <laughs> by it. If I'm not on it, you know, so um, I don't, you know, and, I guess to, to answer your question, I, I don't know. I don't really know the discussions on Twitter because I, I just don't use it. Yeah. Um, and my goal is to entertain an audience, not necessarily to teach you anything. Do you have particular goals when it comes to uh, how many you sell? I mean, you, you've, you've obviously, you know, you've got a publisher, you, you've got this thing out there. Uh, are there expectations? Oh, I didn't get a publisher. I'm self-published. Oh, this self-published. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. I misunderstood on that. So is there an expectation as to how many copies you want to get out there in the world? Or is this no. just, you know, sell however many we sell? Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's there. If you want to read it, feel free. Um, leave a review if you do, good or bad. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't want to read it, because it's, it's definitely not for everybody. No. Um, like I said, my 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 dream audience for this was, you know, not, you know, I say veterans just, you know, struggling with, with mental health issues. Um, but it's really for anybody who wants to, um, go through some suffering and see if they can, uh, understand, uh, someone else's 
struggles. Right. You know, I'm not saying I want to, I want to make the reader a better person. I'm just, I want to see if I can uh, help establish empathy. (laughs) If the reader has empathy for, for a person struggling with mental health after reading this book, then I think uh, I've succeeded. Um, But, you know, like I was saying before, um, the number one goal is entertaining the reader. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, if it sells, uh, I think we're sitting at a, uh, we're sitting a couple hundred sales now, but you know, if it reaches a million, great. If it's just tanks out here, that's fine too. Um, I've got other stories to tell. So uh, you mentioned being uh, being over in Iraq when you were deployed, and the story takes place in South Vietnam. What what was your thinking in setting it there, as opposed to more modern time? Because you know there there are a lot of stories. You look at something like Rambo. I've seen I've seen some people comparing yours to Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness. And That's as their you, words, not mine. <laughs> no, I, I, I know, but as I don't as want to say we, it's apocalypse now. Yeah, yeah, but as we get further away from the Vietnam conflict, it seems to me that culturally, society tends to not look at that event in the same way as they as we did in the seventies, in the eighties. The you know because. That was that was the that was the cultural pariah almost in terms of you know if you had a Vietnam veteran, there was a certain stigma attached to that for a while and and people didn't quite understand because it was it was the big you know the first one that was you know fought on television essentially yeah. and the reaction here at home was quite agitated, I guess you could say. Um, but there are certain people of an age who are going to remember that time period differently than the people who are, you know, 19, 20, 25, 30 years old now. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've got the people who, you know, history started when they were born, you know, 19 years ago. So they have they have no understanding of what happened in Vietnam. So why set the story there? Is there a particular reason why we're in that environment as opposed to Iraq 1, Iraq 2, Bosnia? You know, I mean, there are all sorts of conflicts that have happened after that that could serve as a setting for this as well. You mentioned yourself various different country, countries that you've been in having those superstitions and, and legends and, and different tales that you could dive into. Why South Vietnam? Um, well, one, my wife is Vietnamese. She's a Vietnamese immigrant. So her family uh, was displaced after the war. Um, and the, I mean, there's just general real horror, um, horror stories that come out of, um, you know, fleeing a, a war-torn country. Um, but then, you know, my own kind of fascination with it, I mean, that's the war that I grew up with, um, you know, all the media or the, the movies that, you know, I've consumed since I was a boy and then into my, you know, young adulthood, um, you know, just, it was almost part of the characterization, you know, you know, um, like Apocalypse Now, you know, a great classic movie and I love every part of it. Um, and, you know, just 
as an aside real quick, just being associated, having, a, having someone say, <laughs> compare it to Apocalypse Now is, uh, you know, I'm over the moon about that. But, uh, you know, I would never come out and say that myself. But, um, you know, uh, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, and then even going to, into like Lethal Weapon, you know, you've got Riggs and Mr. Joshua. There's that just that one piece of characterization where, you know, Riggs shows his uh, tattoo and he's like, that's a special forces tattoo. And you're like, you know, what happened to these men to make them like this? And right. so I guess growing up, um, there was always this um, mystery and, and, you know, to some extent, horror associated with Vietnam and the Vietnam War. Because, uh, you know, you go back to World War II, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there was a big horror element associated with that. But uh, a lot of the stories you hear is, you know, of, of gallantry and heroism and, um, you know, almost like a respect between enemies. Um, you don't hear a lot about that in, uh, in Vietnam. Right. And, you know, you're saying that the Vietnam War was the first one to be televised. Um, I would argue that it's even more so now. Um, you know, it seems like we've, we're, we're constantly getting more footage of GoPro helmet cams from both sides. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, and even being over there and experiencing some of this stuff, um, I, you know, I don't know if I associate the same horror I do with, you know, I, between Iraq, Afghanistan and Vietnam. There's just something eerie about it, you know, and um, and then when you go back and read the stories of, uh, you know, the, the true accounts from from soldiers and Marines and airmen over there. Um, yeah, there just there was just this crazy eeriness that just permeated the entire conflict. Um, so that was um, sitting in Vietnam was, uh, I, I, you know, I guess that was just my desire to explore it, and, you know, right. to get into that setting. So you that's a that's an interesting take on on that as far as you know when you say the eeriness of of the region and and being in that par part of the world do you think that some of that is driven by the difference in philosophy between east and west you think because you know europe uh, and 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 the middle east is one one way of you know there's a, there are a couple of different ways of thinking over there but the eastern philosophies mm -hmm. you know buddhism china you know chinese philosophy and and you know confucianism and, and all of those different things are are so different sometimes do you think that adds to it that 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 sense of I don't want to say odd man out, but like you say, the eeriness, the 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 difference—it's almost a palpable uh, difference of tone and and atmosphere over there. Is is that some, some of that? Do you think? Um, well, I don't know. Um, it might it might be the uh, the mindset in which we. Uh, the, the, our mindsets that we took over there with us um, because when, you know, I guess your average, you know, your average American soldier wasn't receiving a big uh, education in 
um, the mindset of the people they were going over to fight, uh, you know, the cultural, um, you know, nuances and stuff. Um, and yeah, I guess um, failing to understand the, you know, the, the place where you're, where you're going. Uh, Cause you know, like even now um, when people leave the United States, usually the first country they go to, it's a culture shock for them. Um, yeah. So it, I, I just, I think having people or meeting people that are just so vastly different as far as uh, the way they think and uh, you know, the things they find important. Um, uh, yeah. That, I, well, just, I, I guess it's that Lovecraftian thing of, you know, people fear the unknown. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm no, just yeah, you are, you are. And, and that's fine. This is, this is stream of consciousness. We're all, we're all good here. Now you mentioned your wife is from that area and her family. Are there specific legends, tall tales uh, that came out of that region that, that they have shared with you that kind of blended into this story at all? No. Um, and without, uh, I, I think if I go too far into it, I'm going to spoil some of the book for you. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll have to skip this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cause it's interesting because, you know, there are, you, know, you have things like Grimm's fairy tales, you have mm -hmm. the, you know, Aesop's fables and, and that sort of thing. And when somebody looks in and say, oh, I, I recognize this story. This is, you know, this is Hansel and Gretel and it has a dragon in it. But, you know, the, the different things, I guess, probably would make it a little bit predictable. But it, it feels like, you know, I mean, this is 564 pages here. I'm imagining that you probably have put a few twists and turns and, and, we're going to dodge and weave when you think we're going to parry or is that, yeah. is that a, a reasonable expe expectation there? Yeah, it's, um, so the, the main female protagonist, um, I, I did a lot of research into, um, I'm trying to avoid, so I don't spoil it for you. Um, her, um, well, you, you know, in, in chapter one, you find out she's a shaman, so I'm not really spoiling anything there, but right. so there was a lot of research into shamanism and, um, some of that stuff is terrifying. Um, the lengths that, that these people go to, to benefit, uh, their people, um, the, you know, um, if you start looking at, you know, what they do to, you know, paraphrasing here, but like shed their mortal skin to become something more, you know, to transcend their, uh, um, you know, this, this humanity. Um, they go through a lot of suffering to do that. And right. I was like, this absolutely has to be explored in the book. And uh, so in, in, in that aspect, yeah, the, I mean, that, that, that part of their religion is is in there um that was that definitely informed the story um but then when you get into the twists and turns with the the military guys um 
I don't want to say you have to, you, you've had to have been in the military to get it, but um, there's just these weird tropes that just seem to uh, um, permeate the military, you know, like certain uh, personalities being put in leadership positions for, you know, no reason other than it's just time to put a new person in. Right. And, uh, you know, just when you figure out uh, or just when you have the perfect team assembled, you get a new leader and everything just kind of falls apart. So like those little tropes, those little, you know, the military people are going to appreciate those. Yeah. And um, yeah, so um, there, there are uh, little truisms from the military that are in there, but, uh, and, the, but the, but the biggest, um, you know, faith-based or legend-based stuff it, that all um, really pushes uh, Jaren's story, the yeah. female protagonist. So let me ask you this, because you've been in the military, you've got military characters in the book. Uh, when Stargate was in production, uh, they got a lot of cooperation from the Air Force, and the story was that the Air Force had looked at this and said, you know, it was it was essentially the first show that they had endorsed almost because of how the show portrayed the Air Force in, in a way that actually reflected reality somewhat how important was it for you to get that right i mean you've you've been in the military you're going to have military guys reading this mm -hmm. did you have to compromise anything for the sake of the story or or to yeah. make it more accessible mm -hmm. to civilians how much of this is really esoteric stuff um yeah it, <laughs> in in the the online veteran communities uh it's it's almost um celebrated when they come together and just find all the the failings of hollywood <laughs> you know when, yeah. when a, a military movie comes out that's just right. bad um you know and I, I won't list anything here but uh so uh, you know i'd say getting it absolutely right was important however when you're dealing with stories sometimes you kind of have to when you're dealing with drama you have to massage things a little bit so for example the uh the sog recon teams um so the the main military team is a sog recon recon team um putting my main protagonist in there as a you know um a disgraced army officer um you know tr being a yes man for the cia um yeah that's that that's not real that that didn't happen you know especially with with a team you know a team like that you're not gonna just throw a, a monkey wrench into a well-functioning machine like that you know so that part is, is kind of hand waved and like you know just indulge me for the sake of the story right. um but you know the other stuff is pretty accurate um you know i don't know if you can see my bookshelf there but there's <laughs> there's a lot of vietnam war books back there um, you know, you know, dealing with, you know, the special forces community. And so knowing that potentially, um, uh, the special forces community would read the book. Um, I had to be on my a game the entire time, mm -hmm. as far as like all the military tactics and stuff like that. When you get into the drama, 
you can kind of deviate, but when it comes to tactics and equipment and, um, I mean, even the way, um, these guys act like that is important to get spot on because, you know, your, <clears throat> your, your special forces guys, you know, uh, well, across all branches. I mean, these are, these are kind of like, you know, the astronauts where, you know, these are the people that are on their a game a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, if I didn't get that right, then I'm going to hear about it, you know. <laughs> now, having so. having put all of that in there as far as uh, tactics and equipment, did you have to vet this story at all with anyone to make sure you're not giving away certain trade secrets? No, all of, yeah, all of the, uh, all the stuff that's in there is I either learned from Wikipedia or another book or, you know, so it's not like I'm putting... Um, I'm not putting government secrets out there. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> unless, you know, unless they're, you know, keeping demons <laughs> secret from us. Well, you know, you know I, I might have I might as, let something slip. As much as we keep hearing about these encounters with UFOs, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at anything anymore. Uh, so with all of this, with all of this experience in the military and, and now you talk about you're doing a romance and you've got all these different things. Do you have an idea is there a is there a story universe that you want to build from scratch that is is not set in a I don't want to say a historical event but you know just take take the the real world circumstances out and do a story that's completely all your own world building all of your own environment everything like that do you have one of those brewing I don't think so um, you know, the, the, you know, going back to that first book, um, that was my attempt and I found that, uh, you know, I wasn't really into it, you know? Um, so I, I might revisit it later, but for right now, um, just, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to understand the real world <laughs> right now, you know? So there's, there's right. plenty of drama to be had there. So I think I'll, I think I'll stick with this with well, this place for a while. I got to say, you know, with you staying off of Twitter, you're missing out on so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've only have so much space in here for, yeah. you know, torture. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, I think I'll, I think I'll just stay off of Twitter. Yeah. So when, when the books, you know, the books out there now, you've gotten, uh, you've gotten some reviews. Does it, does it, not sure exactly how to ask this uh what does it do to the ego a little bit i guess when you start to see i mean it's got to be satisfying to see people saying positive things about the book have, have there been any detractors you look and maybe they're saying something you know, oh i hadn't thought about that or you're giving giving you a little bit different way of looking at your story that maybe you can incorporate into into future projects um Let's see. I, well, I mean, my, my big, my biggest critic is me. And, um, you know, if something's not working, I, I ruthlessly cut it. And, um, so the story is 155,000 words, 50,000 words were cut from, you know, from the first draft until, you know, the book you're reading now. Um, so it went through a lot of changes just because I didn't like the way it was going. Um, and, when I sent the manuscript initially to Chantel, 
um, she had a lot of comments on it too. And, you know, and so I met Chantelle at DragonCon when she was uh, teaching some courses with, uh, with Mike Stackpole. And um, so, you know, she's, she, she works in the, the publishing industry mm-hmm. and the fact that she took me on as a client, uh, you know, freelance to edit my manuscript. I was like, I want to be on my A game to at least impress a person uh, who it, it, I want to impress an expert. So, you know, uh, I cut a lot of stuff out of the story because it wasn't working. Um, you know, I really, really tried to make a, a, a really good book to impress uh, people. Right. So I think with all the work that went into it, um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's still going to be people who don't like it just because of the, the content. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just aren't into horror. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked to like all the, you're going to see some medical stuff in there. I talked to army medics, um, about that. You're going to see some, uh, communication stuff. I talked to, uh, communication specialists. Um, so there was, there's a lot of research in that book to make it as believable and as good as I could make it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm always willing to accept criticism and I'm not going to say that this is the absolute perfect book. Um, but you know, um, as far as right now and, you know, knock on wood, (laughs) uh, as far as right now, the reviews are mostly positive, you know, four or five stars. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always take criticism. So the romance is in the works. The, the sequel to this, uh, inhuman is, is in the works. Are you looking to stay self-published or are you wanting to attract the the eye of a publisher like Tor or Bayon or or something like that? Yeah. Well, that that was the big discussion Chantel and I had is is that it's it's 155,000 words, and you know if if, um, if you're not a writer out there, uh, 80 and 120,000 is usually the sweet spot for a debut novelist. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chantel and I were were kind of talking about, well, how do you how do we reconcile this? Because it's, you know, um, at least to us, it was a good story. Um, so I, uh, I, I, you know, I did send out some agent queries and, uh, you know, the people who did respond were like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Cause you have to put the word count in this, in these online form. Uh, but yeah, if, but I, 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 you know, I haven't queried, uh, Bain yet. So if Bain wants it, they're free to have it. Um, you know, if they're looking for a military horror. Well, and they do publish a lot of that. I mean, you look at, you know, David Weber and, and John Ringo and Eric Flint and, and, mm-hmm. and the like. Did you, uh, what did you think about all of the um, the back and forth with Bands Bar and the forums getting, you know, coming under fire and, and Tony getting getting disinvited from, from Discon? Yeah. Um now that we've got yeah, four, what was the four story minutes left. Like they, 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 they wrote a story and put it behind a paywall. Is that true? Well, no. That seems, J- yeah. Jason Sanford uh, had done an article uh, on his Patreon, and he had made yeah. it. Uh, he had made it available for the public, and basically seems to have been it. It's been received as a hit piece. Uh, yeah. Anybody that's been published by Band has come out. You know. David and Eric both, and and they're completely on opposite sides of the political aisle, and they're sitting there going, "This is this is garbage." 
Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, you know, Bayon has now become the target of the of the week in terms of, you know, the cancel culture and, and that sort of thing. And it conjures up, you know, because people you know, talk about, you know, guns and war and horror and, and that sort of thing. Are you ever worried about the, that kind of reaction to anything that you write? Or is that is that in the back of your head at all? Or are you not worried about it? I'm, I'm not too worried about it because, you know, um, if you approach the subjects and the cultures that are, you know, in your work, if you approach it with respect, um, you know, I, I think you're golden. Um, you know, if you do your due diligence and you research it. Now, you know, for example, there's a lot of research that went into, you know, um, the female protagonist culture, but the other characters treat her like absolute dirt. So there's, I guess there's a, that's, you know, I'm tap dancing through the minefield there, but, um, you know, what people need to understand is that it's, it's fiction, <laughs> you know? So like <laughs> just because it's in, you know, just because it's written in a book doesn't mean that that's my opinion on a thing. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think most people, the overwhelming majority of people understand that that's how books work. Um, but, you know, and then you've got those, you know, 12 really loud people um, who are going to disagree and try to, you know, burn you to the ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'll be all right. I don't think the, the, the cancel culture will come for, for me. Well, your lips to God's ears, sir. Good luck with everything. And we'll leave it with that. <laughs> Eric Leland is his name, and the uh, the book is called Inhuman. Let's pull this up again. It is out now currently, yes? Yes. And uh, you can find Eric. He's got, a, he's got an author page over on Facebook, and he's also on Instagram. He is not on Twitter. He is probably one of the 12 smart people left in the world who's not there. Uh, so, Eric, thanks very much for being here today. Good luck with the book, and let us know uh, how that romance goes. We'll uh, and as soon as I can, we'll get a review out and uh, right. and see what happens there. Well, thanks for having me. All right, thanks very much, and thanks all of you for being here and uh, joining us. And of course, if you have thoughts on Eric's book or anything else that we talk about here. If you've got suggestions for topics, you can certainly leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Don't forget, tonight we've got a new Salacious Crumbs with the latest Star Wars news. And tomorrow night, the Ranker Pit will be talking about all sorts of rumors and speculation about the Star Wars universe because there's a lot of it. So uh, join us for that. In the meantime, if you want to leave us a thumbs up on your way out, subscribe if you haven't already uh, because we do a lot of this programming. And we will be back uh, tomorrow live from the bunker with more. And uh, in the meantime, you need to remember there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.